Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. So we're in this series. This is 2020. This is the year of strong families at Seeds Church. Amen? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now. And we're getting into your word today. We ask you to help us feel what you feel. Help us think what you think. Help us hear what you hear and help us speak what you speak. We welcome your continued work of transformation, sanctification, Lord God, in every single area of our lives. We pray this with confidence, knowing that you at work in us, you're at work through us because of who Jesus is and because of what he has done. And the people of God say amen. Amen. So like I said, 2020 is the year of strong families here at Siege Church. The last couple of months in, in, uh, in 1999, in 2019, like we're decade or two decades out, you guys. We're really vision casting. Uh, and in the last couple of months in 2019, I was pressing in and saying, God, what does 2020 look like for Siege Church? And just this came to me and it just kept getting reaffirmed and reaffirmed and reaffirmed. And so this is, this is the picture of what the Holy Spirit gave me. He gave me the picture of a yoke. And the, the picture of the yoke is for the marriage. And so we don't have just strong men that are leading out and everyone in the household is just subservient to them. We don't just have strong women leading out and everyone in the house is subservient to them. But we've got strong moms and dads yoked together that are pulling the family plow together. Amen. And that's what we're looking for. And so when we talk about strong families, we came up with this definition. And as a matter of fact, we've got uh, some new merch today that goes along with this this 2020 vision that we have of strong families. If you look back there in the back, uh, oh, hey, we've got right there, Alice is our our model, uh, Vanna White. There we go. She's got on the strong family sweatshirt. Ariel over here has the strong family's long sleeve tee on. They say the exact same thing. It's just, you know, and these are comfort colors. Oh, and then Jesse is sporting the hat. Of course, you can put your hair up in a bun. Okay, so yeah, now it looks really great. So anyway, so new hats, new shirts, new sweatshirts. Because we're, and, and you think, well, that, that's cool. What's that all about? But listen, hey, the, I'm, I'm, I'm about this, guys. I'm about strong families this year. This is not just some cute theme. This is real stuff that God has called this church to and the families of this church to this year. So the definition that we're working from is this right here. Strong family is this. It's a group of people that may or may not be related to one another by blood or marriage, but are committed to each other, love each other, and take care of each other. Having the power to succeed through demanding circumstances, withstanding great pressure, staying firmly established without being disturbed, upset, or affected. That's what we're going for. That's what a strong family looks like. We, we want strong blood families. Whatever your address is, wherever your house is, wherever your family lives and gathers, we want strong blood families and we want strong church family. Amen? We, that's why we brought the kids in to worship with us, because I want to model for them. I want you to model for your own children what it looks like to have passion for Jesus. 
I want you to show your kids this is what worship to Jesus looks like. It's not just some something that they learn about over here in the shed. It's not just something they learn about by by reading something else, but they're seeing mom and dad model it for them. Because, listen, I'm going to tell you this. Our kids have all kinds of influences that are pouring into their lives all throughout the day. All kinds of media. If your kids are in school, they have the influence of their teachers. They have the influence of their friends. Our kids are bombarded with all kinds of information. But I'm telling you this. As a parent, you still are the number one influencer in the child's life. You have the number one. It's your responsibility to influence your children. And you still have the number one amount of influence. And studies prove this. Studies show this. I saw a tweet uh, this week. Eric Taxis retweeted this. And it was some person who, um, I don't know who this person was, but they had a blue check mark. So there's somebody, okay? And and they said something about, hey, let's not, you know, uh, shove religion down our kids' throats. You know, they need to make up their mind for themselves at some point. And it's like, no, that is not the Bible way. And we're not talking about shoving religion down our kids' throats. But what we're talking about is modeling relationship with Jesus for our kids. And we're saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. And so for our, we don't do that with school. We don't go, well, Bobby, if you didn't feel like going to school today, you can just stay home. You can sleep in. No. We say, well, get your hind end up, get in the shower, and get to the bus. That's what we say, right? We're like, well, mom, dad, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be a part of youth group. I don't want to do that. Well, guess what? It doesn't matter. Get your hind end up, get in the shower, get in the car. We're going to be at church. We're going to go and be with the people of God. Amen? So I don't understand where the breakdown is. But that's why we're bringing kids. That's why we're doing the 20, seeking God the first 20 days in, in prayer the, at the beginning of this year. And if you look, I want to encourage you so much. Get one of those prayer guides. If you don't have one, if we run out, get it on our website, seedschurchtn.com slash seek. Download the PDF every single day. There is an opportunity for you to pray over your children and engage your children somehow. Pray it over your husbands. Pray it over yourself. Pray it over your wife. Wives, pray it over yourself. Pray it over your husbands. Parents, pray it over your children. Pray it over your church family. We're seeking God together because we're becoming a strong church family. Amen? So we're being intentional about building strong families. The question that we're faced with, in any time that you're building something, the question that you're faced with is, what is our foundation? Everybody say that with me. What is our foundation? You listen, you don't have to be a master builder. You don't have to be a general contractor to know that you need a good foundation when you're building something. Amen? All right, okay. It's common sense. But, but the question here is, why is it important to have a good foundation? Well, we all know this too. It's important to have a good foundation because stuff is coming. The earth is going to quake. The floodwaters are going to rise. The winds are going to blow. And it's important that we have a good foundation. Because what's happening here is the rest of your structure is going to be built on that foundation. It's going to be attached to that foundation. And it's going to have to withstand those earthquakes. It's going to have to withstand those floodwaters. And it's going to have to withstand those high winds. So we can 
build all this upward structure here and make it look really nice and good and pretty. And all that stuff is important. But if our foundation isn't solid, if our foundation isn't good, then when the winds come, the house will topple. When the ground shakes, the house will crumble. When the floodwaters rise, the house will wash away. Unless we have a good foundation and the rest of our structure is attached to that. So the question is, what is our foundation? Jesus talked about this very thing in Matthew chapter 7. Let me ask you this. Is our foundation being financially stable? Well, being financially stable is a really great thing. And I think it's part of the structure. But I'm not so sure that it's part of the foundation. Because I know families, they're really financially stable. But they, those families, are a train wreck. Their, their, their life is, is way out of sorts, but they're financially stable. So listen, being financially stable is a wonderful thing. It's part of good structure, but it's not foundational, okay? What about being highly educated? Hey, we want strong families. We're going to be well-educated. Hey, being educated is great. I'm not trying to down education at all. Education's a wonderful thing. It can be a very valuable thing. And it doesn't have to, education can look a lot of different ways, okay? It doesn't just mean going to college and getting a degree, all right? It, it, can, mean, it can mean that. It can mean a master's degree. It can mean a doctorate degree. It can mean going to a trade school. It can mean being a student of God's word. Education's a wonderful thing, but is it foundational? I don't think so because I know families that are very educated. They're highly educated. They got lots of pieces of paper hanging on the wall with little gold stamps on them. But they're a hot mess. Their world and their lives are upside down. So being highly educated, being financially stable, I think those are good things. I think there could be part of the structure, but it's not foundational. So what is our foundation? For building a strong family. Some of you might say, well, parenting. Being a good parent. Having good parenting skills. Our marriage. Again, those things are good. They're necessary. They're part of the structure. But there's something even more foundational than having good parenting knowledge and skills. There's something even more foundational than having a good marriage. And I have to say, having a good marriage is probably... It's probably your framework, okay? And that's really important too. But what's foundational is our identity. Knowing who you are. Knowing who you are in Christ. Our identity in Christ is our foundation for building a strong family. Listen, if there's any one thing that has messed up this world and messed up the families of this world, it's this right here. People not knowing their identity in Christ. They don't know their identity in Christ. And then all kinds of identity issues start creeping in. And they start getting haywire. And they start getting really confused about their sexuality. And listen, if, if people, I'm not throwing condemnation on people that are questioning that kind of thing. I'm saying, hey, if you're wrestling with that kind of thing, if you're wrestling with identity issues, sexual identity, or, or gender roles, or like, well, there's all kinds of genders. Change my mind, there's just two, okay? But listen, if that's you, I hate no condemnation on you, but what I'm trying to do is say this. 
Seek your identity in Christ and all those other things are going to fall into place. We've messed up because we thought other things were the foundation besides our identity in Christ. Our identity in Christ is our foundation. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone of the foundation and our identity in him aligns with him. If our identity in Christ is firm, then I'm telling you what, when the floodwaters rise, when the earth quakes, when the winds blow, your family will still be standing. Can I get an amen? Dads and moms, listen, you can do all kinds of things to make a comfortable, happy life for your children. You can do all kinds of things. But if you don't know who you are in Christ, and if you're not showing your kids who they are in Christ, then you can forget about true happiness. But if you discover your identity in Christ, and if you walk in it, then you're on your way to building a strong family. And when we build strong families at home, it helps us build a strong church family. And when the church family is strong, it helps us make an impact in our city. Amen? Listen, this whole identity issue goes all the way back to the very beginning. It goes all the way back to Genesis. Satan lies to Adam and Eve about who they were. And you know what? They bought in to the lie. And it separated them from God. It separated them from the blessings of God. And it had not just an effect on Adam and Eve, but it had an effect on their family and the generations to come. When we buy into the lies of the enemy, when we begin to think and feel about ourselves, things in ways that are contrary to the way that God thinks about us, to the way that God feels about us, then we are damaging the foundation for our strong family. All throughout the scriptures, Satan is trying to damage the foundations of the family, of the strong identity foundation through people all throughout the scriptures, even Jesus's. Satan even tries to come and attack Jesus's identity foundation. Somewhat like what we're doing now in the 21 days of prayer, a little bit like this. Jesus is doing some praying and fasting as well. Now, I will say that Jesus is praying and fasting, going out into the wilderness, praying and fasting. is a lot more hardcore than what I'm doing right now. <laughs> but Jesus is out in the wilderness. He's praying and fasting. And let's look here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. It says, and the tempter came and said to him, this is, this, this is Satan. He says, if you are a son of God, if you are the son of God, then command that these stones become bread. And then if you jump down to verse 6, he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. If you're the son of God, if you're the son of God. Two different times, Satan is questioning Jesus's identity. If you are the son of God. And Satan uses this exact same question to try to damage our identity foundation. Well, if you're really a child of God, if you're really called by God to do this, then prove it. Prove it. And listen, Satan tries to take our identity and place it in the realm of us having to prove our value and our worth. 
The way that Satan destroys our identity foundation is by getting us to doubt who God says that we are. And he often uses the things that other people have said to us. Maybe you've had things like this said to you even when you were a kid. Why aren't you more like your brother? Why can't you get better grades? Why are you always like this? Man, you're never going to change. Can't you do anything right? And as kids, we start thinking things like, well, if I were just good enough, and if my grades were better, and, and if, I were, if I were more talented, and if I were smarter, and if, if, if I were stronger, if I were prettier. Now, guys probably don't think that one, but how about this one? Here's a, if I mattered more. Ooh. And maybe they're not even conscious thoughts, but they're things that are running in the background of our subconscious. They're there. The damage that has been done to our identity foundation leaves us with a need for approval and validation. We think to ourselves, man, if I really was worth something, then I could prove it. And I'm telling you, every time that you put yourself in that position of having to prove your worth, it's disastrous. So the question is this, how was Abel, or how was Jesus able to keep Satan from damaging his identity foundation, from destroying his identity? And I think to answer that question, we have to rewind a little bit further in the story and go back right before Jesus went into the wilderness to pray and fast. Jesus is at the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist, his cousin. And what you may or may not know about John the Baptist is that he was in line, the rightful high priest. Now, he didn't hold that position because of the politics in the kingdom at that time. But in the lineage, John the Baptist was supposed to be the high priest at that time. So John the Baptist is at the Jordan River and he's baptizing all these people, the Hebrew people that are coming to repent of their sins. So he's baptizing people to come to a repenting of their sins. John the Baptist is, is plowing the way for Jesus. He's making a way in the wilderness for Jesus. He's fulfilling the prophecies in the Old Testament of Isaiah and Jeremiah and and so Jesus shows up, but Jesus doesn't show up to be baptized for repentance because Jesus is without sin. Jesus is there to be baptized for another reason. He's there to be baptized to, to have the, the waters poured over him like the oil would be poured over the next high priest. And the only person that could anoint the next high priest is the current high priest. And so if Jesus was the anointed king, if he was the anointed Messiah, then he had to be anointed by the person who was supposed to be the high priest, and that was John the Baptist. That's why Jesus is there at the Jordan River to be baptized. And that's what's going on here. And in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, after Jesus being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heaven said, this 
is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Can we all read that last part together? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father speaks. What is he doing? He's validating Jesus, the son. And in the same way he spoke to Jesus's identity, he speaks to our identity, our foundation. The first thing that God said was this. He says, this is my beloved son. This is a statement of acceptance. God was saying, hey, this is my son. There's nothing that can ever change that. This is a statement of acceptance. The blood that runs in my veins is the same blood that runs in his veins. And not only does God say that Jesus is his son, but he says that he is his beloved. This is a statement of affirmation. God is speaking worth and value. He's saying, hey, this son of mine, he's dearly loved. He's my favorite. And then the father proclaims that the son, he's well pleased with him. I'm well pleased with my son. What does he say? He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is a statement of approval. Acceptance, affirmation, approval. God is putting his stamp of endorsement on Jesus. The father was proud of his son. Let me ask you this. How many poor decisions have you made? Maybe as a kid or a teenager, even maybe you're making them now. How many poor decisions have you made because you're just seeking acceptance? And maybe, maybe you've got this issue in your life all straightened out, but maybe you can think about it even others' lives and people around you, family members, friends, peers, coworkers, the human race. How many poor decisions have we all made because we were just seeking acceptance? How many of us have just longed to just be affirmed? We just, man, I just want them to say that I did a good job. I just want them to just recognize that I'm here, that I exist, that what I did counted or was important or that it contributed. I just long for that. How many of us have just, you know, we've strived for approval? Maybe it was the approval of our parents. Maybe it's the approval of People, other people that we really respected or cared about. Maybe it was the approval of your boss, your teacher, coach. And you strive and you work for that approval and maybe you gained it and earned it. But the thing about this, the thing about striving for approval is that it's, it's fleeting, it's temporary. You know, you, you ever heard this statement? It's not what have you done for me, it's what have you done for me lately. So striving for approval, it's not, it's like, it's here, we celebrate it, it's good, but then it comes and goes, and it's like we have to just keep striving and working for it. Listen, you, whatever it is that you have, however you've gained what you have, you have to continue doing that thing to maintain that. 
So it's important that we build the right identity foundation. Because if we're building on that foundation, then again, it's a, that's what we have to maintain. But if we're doing all these other things, if we're just longing and striving and making poor decisions because we're trying to earn acceptance and approval and affirmation, then we're going to have to just keep running that rat race to maintain that kind of foundation. Does that make sense? We need to come alive to the truth that in Christ, we are already accepted. In Christ, God affirms us. In Christ, God has put his stamp of approval on us. You can get excited about this. In Christ, because of what Jesus has achieved, God looks at us and he says, I am well pleased with Casey. I am well pleased with Matt. I am well pleased with Jesse. I'm well pleased with Jamie because not of how awesome you are, not because of anything you've done, but because of Jesus. He's our chief cornerstone. John chapter one, verse 12 says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, talking about Jesus, to all who believed in Jesus and accepted Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Listen, if you, that yes, praise God. If you've surrendered your life to the lordship of Jesus, then you're a child of God. You're a son. You're a daughter. This is your identity. And again, it's not because you did anything. It's not because you're awesome. It's because Jesus is awesome. It's not because of what, who you are. It's because of who he is. It's because of what, not what you did. It's because of what he did. You are accepted. You are affirmed. You are approved. Because of Jesus. He's the chief cornerstone. We can align our lives, our identity foundation, according to him. We can build strong families on who he is and who he says we are. Listen, I want to end our time together today. Some of you are like, end our time together? It's not even 11 o'clock yet. Praise the Lord. I want to end our time together today a little bit different. And, and different is not really new around here. We do different a lot. <laughs> um, but here's what I want to do. We did this back at the men's retreat back in September. Ladies, I don't know if y'all did this or not at your retreat. But um, what I want you to do right now is just get comfortable, okay? And you might be comfortable right where you are right now. You might need to do something else to get comfortable. It's okay. I'm giving you liberty. This is not... You know, if I stand up, if I do something, somebody's going to think I'm going to... No, this is the moment. Get comfortable where you are. If you want to stay seated, stay seated. If you want to stand up, stand up. If you want to lay down on the floor, lay down on the floor. I don't care, but get comfortable right now. Yeah, Bart, yeah. You need to stand up? Stand up. Hey, I'm standing up. Okay. And I want you to just take a few deep breaths right now. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just take a few deep breaths. Thank you. 
spirit to be stirred. You know, Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift within you. And some of of us, I think we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to jump on us and shake us. But Paul said that we have a personal responsibility to stir. That God's already given us things and it's up to us to get excited about it. So I want to encourage you right now as I read these over you and proclaim these over all of us, every believer, this is true about every single believer, engage. So I hope you're relaxed. Don't fall asleep, okay? Amen. Shout, holler. You want to run around the room? Run around the room. I gave you permission. Let's engage here. Ready? You are a new creation. You belong to God. You are a kingdom priest. You're alive to God. All grace abounds to you. All sufficiency is in you through Jesus. You are anointed. You are the apple of God's eye. As he is, so are you. You're baptized into one spirit. You're baptized into Christ. You're being perfected. You are the beloved. You are the blameless. You are blessed. You're blessed with all spiritual blessings. You have bold access to the throne of God. You're bold as a lion. You are born again. You are part of the bride. You are buried with Christ in his death. You can do all things through Christ. You are chosen. You're chosen generation. Christ indwells you with all his fullness. You are a co-heir with Christ. You are created for good works. You are free from the curse. You are dead to sin. You are declared holy. You are a disciple. You are enriched. Everything works in your favor. You are enriched in all knowledge. You are faithful. You are a fellow citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You are free. You are free from sin. He's freely given you all things. You are a friend of Christ. You are fruitful. You are gifted. You are given all things. You are the habitation of God. You have the mind of Christ. He's at work in you. He's for you, not against you. You are healed. You are hidden in Christ. You are highly favored. You are his body. You are his fullness. You are his possession. You are his workmanship. Come on, somebody. Let's get excited. Clap your hands. You are a holy nation. You are a holy priesthood. You are increasing in the knowledge of God. You are inseparable from the love of God. You are a jewel in his eye. You are justified. The kingdom of God is within you. You are known by him. You lack nothing. You're the light of the world. You're living by faith. You live by God's word. You're a living stone. You are made in his image. You are made rich in everything. Yes, praise God. You are more than a conqueror. You are a new creation. You have a sound mind. You have self-control. You are ordained. You are a different people. You are a peculiar people. You are different from the world. You are the people of God. You are the pillars of God. You are prepared for good works. 
You are protected. You are protected. You are protected. And you are purified. You are raised with Christ in his resurrection life. You are redeemed. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a saint. You are the salt of the earth. You are sanctified. You are saved. You are sealed. You are seated with him in heavenly places. You are a servant of God. You share his authority. You are the sheep of his pasture. You are a bright and shining star. You are a son of God. You are a son of light. You are a steward of the mysteries. You are strengthened by him. You are the fullness of life and godliness. You're the temple of God. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're transformed. You're a vessel of glory. You're a vessel of honor. You walk by faith. You walk in newness of life. You are a warrior. You are the wise. You are witnesses. And you are absolutely worthy of the Lord. Come on, stand up with me. And let's give God some praise. Come on, God. We thank you so much for who you are. And for who you've called us to be. God, we want to walk in our identity. God, we want to build our foundation on you and who you say that we are. God, give us a vision of who you are. Give us a vision of who we are in you. God, that these truths would not just be something cool that we get excited about and reading about in church and clap and hoot and holler. But instead, God, that we would put them in our heart. We would hide them in our heart so that we would not sin against you. So we would not sin against each other. So we would not sin against ourselves. That we would be blameless and pure and holy, God. You're making us to be that. You're sanctifying us, God. It's your work of making us holy. And we come into partnership with it. We come into agreement with it. And we are building our foundation in our identity in Christ. Mm. Amen? Listen. Mm. Let's pray this prayer again together today. The strong family prayer. And I want to say this. This morning, if you need prayer for anything, for your life, for your family's life, for some, somebody that you know, please don't miss this opportunity. We miss opportunities all the time. We let opportunities pass and go all the time. And I'm begging you, don't miss this opportunity to pray with someone, to come into agreement, to declare God's word over your situation to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to invite the Holy Spirit to encourage you, to invite the Holy Spirit to give correction to you. As we dismiss, our prayer team is over here on this side of the building. Jason's still serving communion over here if you haven't observed the Lord's table. And I'm gonna just tell you this, this table over here, Jason, can you carry that so I don't spill it? Let me just tell you that, well, this is a bar top table. There's nothing special about this table. But what it represents, this bread that represents his body, this cup that represents his blood, praise God. You know what it represents? Every single thing that we just declared. It's because his body and his blood that we can walk by faith, that we are the newness of life, that we are wise, that we are witnesses, and that we are absolutely worthy of the Lord because of the table.
Don't miss the opportunity to remind yourself as often as you can to come and partake of the table. I heard someone say once that the veil between heaven and earth is the thinnest at the table. Let that sink in. Let's pray this together. Declare this together. We're building strong blood families. We're building strong church family. Allie, I want you to come up here. We're going to pray this, and then we're going to pray over Allie. And I'll share with you what's going on with her. She'll share with you what's going on with her in just a minute. Good things, I promise. All right, let's declare this together and pray this together. Heavenly Father, you are good and mighty. We declare that you are Lord of our families and this church family. We ask you to help us be committed to each other, love each other, and take care of each other. We ask you to strengthen us with supernatural power to succeed through demanding circumstances, withstanding great pressure, staying firmly established without being disturbed, upset, or affected. We are part of your strong family. It's in the power of Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.